0: But this morning, we are going to be continuing back into the series we have in the book of Daniel. And the first thing is this. When we look at Daniel. Daniel was not in the lion's den. Wait a minute. Why would you say that? No. Yes, he was cast into a den of lions. We see that in Scripture. But he was never in the lion's den. But yet, when we read it the way in our modern times, in our humanistic ways of our minds, how my modern eyes would see it, and the way the titles it was when I saw it, reading it as a child, even in Sunday school, sort of way, Daniel was in the lion's den. But actually, if we look at the scripture, and if we were to see it from the perspective of what it was intended, from the audience of what it was supposed to be read, he was never in the lion's den because it was the lions that we're in Daniel's den. Because so often when we see the trials or sufferings that we have in our lives, we see like everything is surrounding us and it's me in front of that. Or what has happened in this scripture, what the scripture, what I believe that the author is intending for us to read is that it wasn't that we are surrounded by our trials, that in the midst of the trials and sufferings or maybe the injustice that we have before us is the presence of God. It's, it's in there rather than we are being surrounded. And so in the lions, where they were at, they were in the presence of God. And the trials or sufferings that we can experience in life, they can either push us towards God, or sometimes they push us, move us away. But when we are, the trials push us towards God, those are the moments, if we are able to endure, we leave a legacy of faith for others to be able to follow behind for us. This morning's topic, I realized, was something that I didn't want to talk about, and there's just been this voice in my mind in one way of saying, Daniel, and and maybe I was saying this as a disclaimer, I do not mean to be insensitive in what we we're about to say, to say today. But at the same time, I wanted to make sure that I'm not going to be irrelevant. <laughs> that, you know, I'm not going to do trials, I'm not going to do sufferings, but at the same time, in the light of what's going on in the world, I just, if we never talk about it, and if I keep saying, you know, this is not the right time, then we're never going to talk about it. But again, I just don't want to make sure, I, I have no means trying to be insensitive or at this time of what I'm about to say. But in the times in our lives, that if you look back, the greatest times of growth for us I have often times been a time of struggles, when times have been hard. If we really want to do well on that test, we studied hard for it. If we really want to do better in that job, we worked for that skill. We worked hard for it. And it's times when things were just not smooth in the times of struggles, it's when we grew the most, whether in our faith, whether we grew spiritually or mentally, in whatever parts of our lives. It was anything but smooth sailing and as we were going through the series, Daniel, to well, talk about in between two worlds. Daniel's life was anything but smooth sailing. As a young teenager, just being plucked out of his homes and just being marched across the desert in chains to be living in exile, to be given a new name, to be able to be taken away, trying, where they were trying to take away his culture, the Babylonians make him assimilate into just being what everybody else is around him. See his friends be thrown into a fiery furnace. To him being false accused, and now he's being could be thrown into an execution chamber. And when I read the story, I realized it wasn't because he was punished for what he was did wrong, but he was punished for what he did what was right. And in his life, and maybe for us in our lives, if we've been old enough, there's been times in our lives when we have faced injustices. When well, there's some things that are outside of my control, outside of my, my circumstances that affected me and changed things around me. And I had no say in that, but I still had to deal with it. it the trial, the suffering in my life. And sometimes we may have read in scripture when the apostle Paul tells us in Romans 8.28, so what happens when all these things happen? Is, and we could try to tell in Romans 8.28, but all these things, well, they happen for good, for those who love God. He works everything for good, right? And then we, we kind of just let, let, stop right there. So we, in, in our trial, in my injustice, what I'm feeling, in my suffering, in this, my, my time, it's go, like, well, God, how are you working this out for good? But then we often forget this little second part of this context. It's for those who are called according to his purpose. So the good that happens, that we're looking for, it's not the good that maybe you and I be thinking in our minds that this is what I want But it's the good that is called to go into God's grander purpose, what he has for us, to put together into his plan. Because it doesn't say here that if you start giving to God in your tithes and offering, all of a sudden you're going to be debt-free. That if you believe in his word and what he says and start following his ways, that you're going to be completely healed. Everything that happens, the good is according to God's purpose, which is for us, to leave a legacy of faith for others to follow behind us. Even in Hebrews 11, we look at all these great men and women of faith in the Bible. Even look at at where Daniel was, how he endured. and We see how God God delivered them. And we, we want something similar to what they had, some of the results that they experienced. But in Hebrews 11... 32 to 33, it talks about these prophets, because they endured in their faith, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, referring to Daniel, stopped the mouths of lions. Great, so that's good. That's according to God's purpose. I will be delivered all the time. Well, not quite. Because also in the context of Hebrews chapter 11, it talked about those, because of the faith, because they endured, they were beaten. They were mocked. They were murdered. Some were dressed in the skins of animals and be thrown into the, the beast to be torn limb from limb. But yet that was part of God's good purpose for others to leave a legacy for them to leave a legacy of faith for others to follow. Because if we believe that God's purpose is really going to be good, it should be good all the time. And Psalm 1830 reminds us. In this passage, what will have on the screen. The, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. If God's will and His, well, how He does things is good. It should be good all the time. It's the saying, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Well, then that also includes the bad times, the times that when it is not so good to us, but it is still good because, well, do we believe that everything is gonna be good? And it's when we hold on to those truths and we are able to endure, that, this is the story in Daniel, was where the early church was able to look into to, as, as a hope for the future when they were being persecuted for their faith. Because for them, in, in the early church, after Jesus Christ was resurrected, and they started these gatherings in their homes, when they believed in, in the faith, and to, to a certain extent to certain parts in certain parts of the world, even today, when you follow God, things don't get better. Things get worse. You may lose your family. You may lose your job. You may lose your stuff. I mean, you just will just lose things just don't go well. And it was an encouragement to continue holding on to your faith as you are living in between two worlds, that there is hope. So in this early church, as we were facing these persecutions, facing like, why is this happening? Why is this injustice happening to us? The apostle Peter reminds him of the encouragement. And he's referencing back to Daniel chapter 6, which is what we went through a few weeks ago, and we'll see it correlating in these passages as it comes in parallel together and what was happening. So in 1 Peter, and I have it on the screen, running parallel on here, he's encouraging these young believers, these young Christians in this early church, in the midst of the persecution that you're experiencing, to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Referencing back to Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So you got to still be subject to those who are in your authority, in your role, in your government. And 1 Peter 2.15, it continues on. For this is the will of God, so that by doing good, you should put the silence to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We're referring back to what did Daniel do. Daniel 6.4, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Continues his encouragement, 18 to 19 in 1 Peter. Servants, so be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God... One endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. Referring back to Daniel, he knew what was signed. He knew what was going to come. Because when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber to open toward Jerusalem. Got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. He knew what injustice was going to come to him. And to be reminded, when the injustice does come to us, how are we to be encouraged? So, if, so Peter ends this section in verse 20. Because for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good, and you suffer if you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. God is faithful. He is trustworthy. He has this track work record, record that we can able to trust in him, that he's working things all together for good, called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean that his believers, his followers, that we are exempt from suffering. That we are going to get away with being harmed. Because the trials in our lives are either push us towards God or push us away from God. But when they're but when they're able to help us move us towards who God is, we're then able to leave a legacy of faith for others to follow behind so that they could be encouraged, that they could have hope when trials and sufferings or injustice occurs into them as well. But when we are in our trials and sufferings, it is so hard to see God. There's no part in here that this is going to be easy, by the way. (laughs) No, this is hard. This is tough. But then God is still working. But it's in those moments like, God, we don't, how do I see your purpose? But God is working something out over that, that I cannot even understand In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 to 9, it keeps reminding us that because it tells us about this is the mind of God compared to us. Because for the thoughts of God are not our thoughts, neither are his ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I mean, the, thing is, like, the reason why I cannot understand what is going on for myself or what's in my situation is because God, your ways and your high ways of thinking are just so much higher than mine. As high as the heavens are from the earth, and they're pretty high, and it's like, that's how much higher the way that God thinks compared to what I, I could even in my finite mind comprehend in myself. And to be able to understand that the trials and sufferings and justice of my life, you're somehow working it out all for good according to your purpose. And in those times when I do not understand or when I am just doubting how God is working, is it somehow going to leave a legacy of faith for others to follow behind? And this is where the story <laughs> picks up from today, starting today. Because the king had tried everything that he could to try to get Daniel out of the situation, to get him out of the fact that, you know, to get him out, not be thrown into this den. And anything short of a miracle would be, nothing short of a miracle would be able to get him out. So in Daniel chapter 6, this is where I'm going to pick up the story today and what happens. Starting with verse 16. He's getting thrown into this execution chamber. It says, chapter 6, verse 16. It says, then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. How did the king know that? The, The God whom you serve continually, may he deliver you. For the king to know that about Daniel, it must have meant that there was some sort of relationship between him and the king. That he, They knew, like, okay, Daniel, he worships this other deity that I, I do not understand yet. But, yet. but this other deity that you've been praying to, that would he just deliver you? And maybe he really meant it. Like, okay, I really believe that the God that you worship is really going to deliver you from um, what's going to happen here. Or maybe you're just saying, okay, just as a nice way, I really hope that your God is really going to deliver you. But one thing we always miss in this verse, in this story, is that he was still thrown into the den. We kind of forget about that. So we, you jump to the point, okay, he wasn't harmed by the lions, but see, when, as, as, as followers, we are not exempt from suffering. He was still tossed in. There was no deliverance there. That was part of God's plan. And he was thrown into a den where these, these lions, I mean, wouldn't have any kind of protection? I don't know if you guys have ever been to the zoo or seen a lion up kind of close. The only thing that's just in front of us is just like glass. <laughs> but even then, that protects us. And we can go there with complete safety, take a picture, take some selfies with that, this beast that really, if that glass wasn't there, we'd be dead. <laughs> they can overpower us at any moment. And yet he himself is being tossed into this, into the darkness, and then they're hungry. They're ready to just eat whatever. I mean, they're trained to eat whatever falls into it. But that is where he is. At at this point, Is the story. If Daniel's life were to end, that would have been okay. He was okay with it. God, if this was your will, I was pulled in from exile. I, I did what I could to lead people i I led lebuchadnezzar to faith and this would be it but the story continues in verse 17 and a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord's that nothing might be changed concerning daniel Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. He was just devastated because he had been deceived. I mean, his his closest co-workers, I mean, the ones working for him, conspired to get rid of Daniel. And Daniel was the one that he had planned. He was going to pass on to the next rules, helping rule the, the kingdom of Persia. I couldn't sleep under this anguish, under all this stress. And perhaps he's just, for one, I, I really believe that he was stressed out just because his friend is going to be executed. Second, he's thinking, okay, I can't trust the guys that I've been delegating all my tasks to. Thirdly, also, he can't. you can realize, who's going to replace Daniel? The guy that's really been helping me rule over everything. Who's going to help me run this entire kingdom? And I, it, it, have you ever been in a situation in, a, in our lives where we've just been so incredibly stressed, so incredibly anguished that he says here that he was fasting? And I don't know if it was because he was fasting because he really wanted to have his prayer answered, or there times where we've just been anguished and stressed that we just only want to eat what we're feeling, what we're going through in our lives. We're to a point where it's that sleep it fled him that night, where he just couldn't sleep all night, didn't want to be entertained. That's the only thing was his mind. I said, Daniel is probably not going to make it out alive. At the break of dawn, in the next verse in verse 19. Then at the break of day, the king arose, because he, he didn't sleep, and went in haste to the den of lions. Verse 20. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Not knowing that he is still alive, saying, okay, I'm looking at this abyss. Daniel, are you still there? He doesn't know. But what does he hear back in the next verse? In verse 21, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and as also before you, O king, I have done no harm. See, the, I have been found blameless. God has judged me rightly. The name Daniel in the Hebrew text originally means God is my judge. It's because God is my judge, God knew that... It, so." The, the whole point of throwing somebody into the, the lion is to say, okay, the lions are the judge. If you're really innocent, they're not going to eat you. So in this way, it was, okay, God is my judge. God knew I was innocent. That's why I was spared. It's because there's fitting for the name that was given to him. But I'm trying to always imagine it in this scenario where the king is looking down into this, 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 this den... And then he's like, Daniel, are you still there? And Daniel responds with this way, okay, yeah, I'm still here. But really, I think my first, he's talking from the den to, to the king looking on top. My first words would be, yes, king, I'm still here. Can you throw the rope down already? Let me get you out of here. No, he's still down there. He's just talking, just looking at all the other lines. Like, I'm staring at him a little bit too long. Maybe they are getting hungry. Maybe their mouths are kind to open up or not. But he's still okay. But verse 23. But we still see the continuation. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. No injuries, no harm. Look here. No ask or retaliation, also no bitterness. We'll see you in verse 24. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. This is the law of retaliation in Persia. If you were caught falsely accusing somebody and it was found that you were wrong, you would face this judgment that you had tried to get them into. So the law of retaliation, to make it even more serious, in the law of Persia, is not only is they try to get people not to do this, it's that if you get caught doing this, your family gets thrown in, a, gets the same retaliation as well. So the law of Persia, the same law that they had followed, this is what is, it was happened to them. They faced the fate that Daniel, they thought they were gonna to try to put Daniel through, but it was them. But why did all this happen? Why did Daniel go through all of this? And we see the culmination in verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Just like Nebuchadnezzar before Darius, God has used the faithfulness of Daniel to lead this king to faith. That was why all this purpose was there for God had used unfaithful Israel, marched them across in exile, something that they deserved because of what they did. Even in the midst of that evil, even in the midst of their sin, God was able to use and still be in complete control that these kings later that, that conquered them would come to know faith in who the true and living God is. Because they were able to leave a legacy of faith for others to follow and for others to believe. Because in the verse 28, the last part of this chapter, this legacy of faith carried on for hundreds of years. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and then the reign of Cyrus, the Persian, the reign of Cyrus, it was because of the faith of Daniel that later, when Cyrus became the king of the land, realized that the Hebrew nation that was been exiled in the way. Their God, oh, he's real. And when they say, okay, can we go back to rebuild our city? They're like, yeah, we remember that story of Daniel when he went into the den and came out alive? Yeah, why don't you go back and guess, you can go back and rebuild your city and go home. Not only can you go home, and we read in the book of Ezra, they paid for it all. We were going to pay to rebuild your entire city. And so Daniel w- was used through, to go through all this exile so that for God's people to return, the next king would have, it's not only send them back, but pay for it all. All part of God's plan, called according to his purpose. And so then the early church, when they were reading all these trials and all these, all these sufferings, they were remembering, okay, we are only here. We're only in Jerusalem because of what Daniel did hundreds, about 500 years earlier, because of his faith that we are able to follow, because he was unwavering, because he endured through trials, because he endured through injustice, that we are able to still worship our God today. So, that, if we endure, and even to us into modern day, we, you and I, can lead others to faith because of the legacy that follows when you and I endure, because the trials that come to our lives Driving us to- closer to God, not from God. But how is it, though, that sometimes trials, injustice, and sufferings in my life draw me away from God? But yet, other times, they do draw me towards God. I, I-, I grew closer to Him. I mean, if I were Daniel, I mean, no pun intended, but what would I have done in this situation? I mean, would i have given up earlier on when i was pulled in exile just to be able to conform to everybody else around me would, would i have given up on my faith when i saw my friends being thrown into a fire for praying to god i mean what i mean would i have just recanted my faith and stopped praying knowing that praying would lead me to throw, being thrown into an execution chamber but somehow god works everything in higher ways that I cannot even understand. I mean In Romans eleven thirty three. 33, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. We do not, I don't know how God does it, but he does. He has it all in control. But what are the purposes of the trial or the injustice that you... And I may be facing this morning. We've been eating healthy all of our lives, and we are faced with the doctor's report that is not unfavorable. You studied hard to try to get into a college, but just because of your race, you can't get in. You know, you you worked hard for this promotion, but because of your race, you can't get promoted. Well, you're trying to get this job, but because of your gender, you can't get that job. I mean, it's like, that's outside of your circumstances. That's not right. For some of you may be bullied. Some of you guys may have been abused. Some of you, we grew up in different neighborhoods. We have different opportunities. But how are all these part of God's plans? And where can I see God in this? And How can I see how am I supposed to endure? You know, one thing about me, and I don't know if I've shared this before, but you know, one of the questions that is hard for me to answer is when people ask me, when did your parents immigrate to this country? And I don't have an answer for that. It's because my parents never immigrated to this country. They're refugees. My parents are refugees, and there's a difference there. Because what happened was that my, my grandparents had to flee China, and, find, and they ended up in Vietnam where my parents were born and raised, and that's where they made the living. They grew up there, and after the war, um, my parents also had to flee. Everything that they had, and I remember being told, their home, all their savings, all their possessions, all the photos, anything you had, all your jobs, your security, anything you have to have, everything was gone. It went to zero to their names overnight. They fled on a boat with many others, and, but some, for some boats that fled out into the ocean, some were overcrowded and sank, and they all drowned. Some boats went out, were caught up by pirates, and they were all murdered. My parents' boat went out uh, overcrowded. They were just robbed by pirates, lost everything, and left to die in the middle of the ocean with no food for seven days. And then, fortunately, they ended up in a refugee camp in Malaysia. And after sitting around for about a year, the response sponsored to come to the States to, as refugees, to start a new living here in the United States. I was born under government assistance. I still remember as a young child, one of my earliest memories was when I went to the grocery store, and I saw my mom taking out the food stamps to pay for the groceries. And she was getting it out, and we could see the stares and the people behind me just looking at it as oaths. It's one of those families. Just feeling judgmental stares. I still remember that very vividly. But my parents were still very firm in their faith. That no matter what, we would still go to church. Every Sunday, we would honor God. But one thing that I didn't get at the time was that if we were going to church, they would still continue to bring, give, they got the first fruits. They would still tie and give their offering. I mean, wait, you guys are working 12, 13, 14 hours every day, just grinding every little penny just for us to try to survive in this, this country. Yet, yeah, how can you give this money to God? Wouldn't it be so much better? I remember asking my mom, can we use this for ourselves so we don't have to use food snaps? Or what, what if we, we don't? I could catch some things, well, some things my, my, my friend has. You know, like they have more toys and stuff than I do. And I still remember my mom looking at me and telling me, you forget how good God is to us. That God is so good that he has saved us. And what I failed to realize was I saw a whole bunch of trials around me and I was surrounded. for what my parents saw was that we are here in the midst of our trials, that we get to be the presence of God to those we go to our jobs, those that we see in our neighborhoods, those we see in our church. And so that we can leave a legacy of faith for others to follow behind us. Do I do find it a little serendipitous that their son became a pastor. <laughs> and so, why are there sometimes that when people go through the trials or sufferings in life that either drive us to God? pushing us away. In the midst of all the injustice, things are outside of our control that have happened to us. Think back to the story of Joseph even back in the book of Genesis. A young teenager just loved God, trafficked into slavery by his own brothers. And the guy who bought him, as he does well, that guy's wife accuses him, falsely accuses him of sexual assault, goes to prison, more injustice. He goes in prison. He does what he can to be able to do well and honor others. and He gets forgotten. More injustice. But the long story shows that God eventually put, uses all those decades, not just years, of injustice and of him sitting in prison to put, elevate him to a position to be able to, contra- to use his wisdom that God has given him to be able to serve and to be able to give away the food and be able to dis- dis- disperse it later. And so when the famine in the land happens all over the world, people have to come to him to buy food. And he somehow, and God orchestrates where he is now in front of his brothers. brothers in front of him where the brothers need to buy food from him. They're thinking, okay, this is the Joseph that we sold, our little brother that we sold in slavery. What's he going to do to us now? He's all powerful. He has all the, power, all the might. He has all the money. And we are under his mercy. Remember what Joseph told his brothers? In most of all the injustice that was done to him, that he felt in his life, in Genesis 50 and 20, Joseph responded to his brothers, why did all this happen? It happened because, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Because other people can mean evil for us, and it will happen to us. But, pray, but if there's nothing, there's no trial, if you're not going to do trials and sufferings right now, just praise the Lord for now, okay? <laughs> it's okay to be thankful for God. But when it happens, to us, could God somehow in his grander scheme, as I continue to endure this, that God, you would somehow make, turn this to somehow to be some kind of good. Worship team. I'm going to have you guys come back up as we transition back into actually a time of communion. The Apostle Paul even encourages his young pastor, Timothy, when evil, when injustice happens to us in our own lives, remember to endure. Second 2 Timothy 2.10, he reminds him, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also may attain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Even as we move into time of communion, I want us to do for a moment, you should think for yourself. Again, if you, there are no trials or there's no sufferings or injustice that we're dealing with in our lives at the moment, that was a times, praise God, <laughs> it's okay, it's good. But when it does happen, and for those of us who have, it's perhaps just something going on in your life right now. Maybe there is a trial, there is a suffering. Even during times communion, to remember that the resurrection of power of God is in us, and that as we endure, because we are not exempt from suffering. God, how could you be in this in mind? God, would you use this evil that is upon me right now? Could you use it for good somehow? That I could leave a legacy of faith for others to follow behind me. And when it's hard to endure, when those times when it's just tough, that's when we do what they did in the Scripture, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the early church. We remember the story of Joseph. That though others meant evil for him, God used it for good. So that we can remember the, the story of Daniel. That though others meant harm for him, God so used it for good so that others were able to follow in a legacy of faith behind him. So that when you endure, that you leave a legacy of faith behind you for others to follow in your life. Let me pray first. God, we just thank you for these stories that you have given us to encourage us, to give us hope that in the midst of all that we are going through, for God, I pray for those who are going through trials and suffering because of the injustices we have in this world right now, whether it's through shootings or whether it's just through things outside of our control, things that we didn't, we just do, we're just doing our part. But as we continue to do good, we will silence our critics. But somehow you would use what we are going through for your good, that somehow others will come to know who you are in our situations. That while others may have meant evil towards us, you work it out better for good in your ways that are higher than our ways, that in your thoughts that are higher than our thoughts, in ways that are inscrutable that we could not even understand. But by your resurrection power, Give us the strength to carry on this week. But God, for those of us who have not been facing those trials, we want to praise you for continually to deliver us. Even when we forget, thank you, Lord. We want to thank you for that now. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.